Hi everyone, welcome back to Moving Beyond Pandemic, a podcast from the Migration Policy Institute about travel, migration and mobility during COVID-19. We're looking at how the pandemic is reshaping all aspects of the movement of people, from the new architecture of borders being built around health screening, to how smugglers and traffickers are adapting routes and strategies in response to border closures. I'm Megan Benton, I'm Director of International Research at MPI and at our sister organisation MPI Europe. In this episode, I was excited to speak to Peter Clayman, the Communications Director for Vienna Airport in Austria, about their COVID testing programme and whether it could offer the key to opening up international travel. Vienna was one of the first airports, in the West at least, to offer COVID testing on arrival. This is a model that's increasingly being copied by other airports, and there's now a growing crescendo of voices calling for more international cooperation and standards on screening and testing at ports of entry. And recent weeks have seen advances in rapid testing that might make testing possible on a larger scale. But airports are also microcosms of the huge challenges facing societies as they try to restart economic activity while keeping people safe. They have thousands, hundreds of thousands of people brought together from locations with very different COVID pictures and then funneled through what are often very congested choke points. So they face this huge responsibility of keeping passengers and frontline staff safe, as well as essentially being the gatekeeper for new arrivals into the country and a life raft for ailing economies because they're the main avenue for bringing in tourists and business travellers. So I was thrilled to speak to Peter about how Vienna Airport is balancing these huge responsibilities. Well, hi, Peter. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so thrilled to speak to you because um, I should let you know that I actually grew up in Vienna and Vienna Airport was the first one I I ever went to. And I also visited so many times as an adult, as a business traveler. So I was so interested um, back in, in May when Vienna Airport was one of the first to start offering COVID tests. And it was so interesting to be moving away from landing bans and travel restrictions and begin to have a discussion about, well, how do we get people moving and how do we have more precise tools for this COVID age? So I was wondering if you could start by talking a little bit about how that came about. So how did you get this testing off the ground and why was Vienna further ahead than, than other airports, which are now sort of copying its example? Well, um, when the uh, COVID virus uh, spread it, uh, all over Europe uh, uh, in the, I would say, during uh, the month of February, and especially in, in the northern part of Italy, which is very close to Austria, um, it was clear that this will have uh, some impacts in the Austrian uh, uh, travel situation as well. And by the end of February, we already recognized a very strong decrease in passenger figures here at Vienna Airport. Mm-hmm. And uh, due to the regulations, uh, um, of the Austrian government in March, it turned out that the passenger figures uh, at Vienna Airport were really decreasing very fast. And I would say in the very first weeks, in the very first first month uh, in during the COVID-19 pandemic in Austria, we almost had no passenger traffic at all. We had mm. a minus of more than 90% in the peak uh, days and peak weeks. We had more um, uh, a decrease of more than 99% uh, compared to the last year. So the impact of Vienna Airport and the impact of the passenger traffic at Vienna Airport was quite high. And at the same time, we 
we uh, realized and we recognized uh, a strong demand, especially of business travelers, that mm -hmm. they still need to visit their markets uh, to meet their business partners abroad, but they uh, couldn't find any traveling opportunity. And Uh, we got several inquiries from uh, big Austrian companies to ask if we could find some solution how to uh, make uh, flight traveling possible in these corona times. And we realized that uh, uh, one of the most successful strategy would be to test the passengers and to, to provide a very easy and, and very fast uh, testing service according to the uh, Austrian regulations and within the Austrian regulations. Um, so we were looking for uh, an external uh, health partner who could provide that kind of testing service. And so we started uh, a COVID-19 PCR testing service here at mm -hmm. the airport, uh, starting with very low passenger numbers. And in the meantime, uh, that figure increased very much. So it started driven by a business uh, interest from Austrian companies that they need to visit their markets, that they need to go abroad to do their projects. And uh, we were thinking about how to create a service which could provide the opportunity of flight traveling within the federal regulations. And, and do, you, do you think it's worked? I mean, have you already seen a big increase in business travel and, and tourism return? Or is it still early days there? Well, uh, we see a very strong demand uh, in that service. Uh, we have mm -hmm. a lot of people uh, using that service here on site. We started with 200 people per day, between 150 and 200 people per day. Uh, in the, and in the last days and last weeks, we had more than 600 people. I would say on the weekend, on Saturday, we had more than 800 people being tested here in our service. So mm -hmm. the demand uh, for that service is still increasing from the very first day. And especially when we started that service, uh, we had a lot of Of, uh, uh, business travelers uh, who, who use that service for traveling and for coming back uh, to Vienna. Interesting. And could you explain a little bit more about how it works? So who is required to take a test and where do people wait for results? Are they supposed to quarantine in the airport or in their hotel? How does it work? Well, the Austrian regulation says that everybody who is traveling from an, 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 an dedicated area from abroad, uh, everybody who is, is traveling from that dedicated area to the country, to Austria, uh, needs to show a negative COVID-19 test already uh, at the arrival. And uh, if that passenger cannot provide that kind of test result, uh, he has or she has uh, to start a 10 days quarantine, uh, which can be ended before uh, if they can get a COVID-19 test during that quarantine and if the test is negative, this would end the quarantine period. Um, and there are certain regions uh, uh, dedicated by the Austrian government um, and nominated as kind of possible areas where the COVID-19 pandemic uh, could uh, uh, increase in a kind of a higher level. So. Mm -hmm. um, There, is, there are dedicated countries and, and areas like parts of Spain or parts in other countries. So everybody who is traveling from these countries to Vienna and then over Vienna Airport has to provide that PCR test. And if he or she is not able to provide the test, uh, he has to do a COVID-19 test during the quarantine. And... The service at Vienna Airport follows these regulations, of course. 
it in an operational way it means that the passengers who arrive at the airport um, when they once they arrive in the terminal building they have to show up their negative PCR result. If they do not have that result, they have to confirm at the authority in the terminal that they will start a 10 days quarantine and they have to provide the personal data like the address, like their mm -hmm. name, like the, the, the country where they were coming from. And when they are on their way to the home, on their way to the point of quarantine, they uh, uh, enter the health center at Vienna Airport can do the PCR testing here on site. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole testing procedure, including accreditation and all the administration procedure, I would say will take 15 minutes, half an hour. Mm -hmm. And once they're being tested, they travel home to the location of the quarantine and they receive the result via email within three to six hours. And once the result is negative, this is ending the quarantine. So once mm -hmm. they receive a negative result, they can leave their, their flat, they can leave their uh, location of quarantine and are free mm -hmm. to move uh, again. And how reliable... Um, or watertight do you see that system because you know um, different countries taking slightly different approaches the, the extreme would be Hong Kong which is requiring people to take a test on arrival but it's putting people in hotels um, while they wait for that test because you know it doesn't trust people necessarily to to comply with the quarantine measures while it waits and then on the other hand you have a another risk which is that people could have contracted covid during the journey and there that, that might not yet be showing up on results so i'm just wondering if you have a sense of you know is is this a completely fallible system or or is it sort of as good as it can be well uh, from our point of view uh, the method of pcr testing is one of the most reliable testing mm -hmm. methods which is uh, existing right now these days um and if uh, if people would not follow the quarantine regulations, they would uh, 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 they would fail on an official regulation from the federal authorities. So, if somebody decides not to follow the regulations and if he's uh, doing the test and then go home and then leave for shopping or for meeting some friends, um, this would be a problem. If uh, it would turn out that he would be positive, um, because and then uh, uh, he would, of course, be controlled if he would uh, uh, still follow the, the, the quarantine regulations. So mm -hmm. uh, by the end, uh, it's a consequence uh, for each individual if he uh, is following the regulations or not. And it, of course, uh, uh, would uh, get some consequences. There are some very high uh, uh, payment fees if somebody mm -hmm. uh, uh, has to, if somebody uh, is, is not following these regulations. But from our point of view, it's a, a very practical service because it would speed up process of testing and um, you can guarantee that you can identify possible infections very fast. People mm. arrive at the airport and right now when they arrive, you do the test and you get within a few hours the information if somebody is infected mm -hmm. by the virus, with the virus or not. And so you have a an, an very early information uh, and very fast information if there is some infection potential or not. Interesting. I guess the the question with all of this is how much can it scale? So you're currently still dealing with fairly low numbers, presumably, yes. but could you return to the same levels of, of traffic in Vienna airport and be providing, you know, universal COVID tests? 
Well, uh, in these days, uh, we have around uh, 25,000 passengers per day, but mm -hmm. these tests are only necessary for that amount of people who is arriving from that risk, uh, from the dedicated yeah. risk countries. So uh, it's we don't need to provide the service for 25,000 passengers per day. We only uh, need to provide it uh, for a few hundred uh, who are arriving from uh, dedicated countries. So um, for that amount of passengers, the service uh, works, and we could also increase to higher capacities. Um, but of course, uh, that service uh, is the dimension depends on the on the tra on, on future travel regulations and future uh, uh, travel procedures uh, within Europe and between Europe and intercontinental flights. So, as long as you are dealing with uh, dedicated countries and 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 regulations of uh, coming for, for passengers coming from dedicated countries that service works if we would think about uh, the future of of air transportation and we would think about of uh, hundred thousand passengers per day or mm -hmm. more um, of course uh, you also need to discuss how travel uh, regulations should be uh, developed and 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 should be designed for uh, provide a uh, efficient uh, travel system in future for the situation right now it works and we could increase uh, we are talking about low passenger numbers mm -hmm. but you always need to have in mind that we are providing the service only for these people who really are obliged to do that kind of test uh, and we are not providing it for everybody who arrives at Vienna airport because this is not uh, that that's not necessary in fact and you mentioned, of course, that this is just one piece of a whole kind of picture of different uh, responses to the COVID pandemic and that, you know, you need an adjustment to the regulations and to different procedures. Could you talk a little bit about what Vienna Airport is doing um, outside of testing to keep passengers and staff safe from wearing masks to new technologies? What does the airport look like these days? Well, uh, uh, we uh, in implemented several uh, activities here at the airport. Um, everybody is obliged to uh, wear a mask uh, within the uh, inside the terminal building. Uh, that's for employees, for passengers, for all people who visit the airport building. Also for people working in the shops or uh, in the restaurants. Um, uh, we are also um, taking care that everybody is. Uh, uh, is keeping up a distance um, of more than one and a half meter um, from one person to another. And this uh, is legally binding for all the people uh, inside the terminal. We are also providing uh, more buses when it comes to uh, operational things um, um, by hand. By the way, when it comes to the ground handling of uh, flight of, uh, of lights, um, we provide um, more depending on the number of passengers on that aircraft uh, we provide more buses to uh, divide the, the group of passengers between several uh, transportation buses when they are uh, being deboarded or also boarded between the between the aircraft and the terminal building um, we also are in very close contact with the airlines when it comes to social distancing in the terminal building also on the way to the aircraft in terms of boarding and deboarding procedures. And we also um, increased our, cl our cleaning intervals uh, within the terminal building, uh, especially at the touch points uh, where people are 
um, using uh, doors or some sanitary uh, infrastructure uh, to uh, taking care that nobody is uh, uh, that to reduce uh, the possibility of of, of infections mm -hmm. uh, uh, right at these touch points. But the main I would say the the the, the main the the, the most uh, interesting and the the, the most uh, efficient uh, activity these days is a testing strategy. I mean, we're seeing right now many airports that are investing in new technologies that can um, provide a safer travel experience. I mean, there were already a lot of technologies in development, like the contactless check-in and automated passport control that um, that you know have less contact and theoretically could be safer but we're also seeing things like these um ultraviolet c robots that are doing special cleaning and various different things going on is, is vienna already um doing a lot of experimentation and innovation in these areas well uh, uh we installed several heating uh, cameras uh, mm -hmm. um don't know how to say in english i need to uh, uh, th I, thermal I, think scan yeah. I think we call we, them thermal scanners but i'm sorry for that yeah yeah we uh, <laughs> uh implemented uh, thermal scanners for arriving passengers um so everybody who arrives at vienna airport is being scanned and we, of course, also think about uh, activities when it comes to departure procedures. But uh, our main uh, issue would be that uh, we would need clear and common regulations uh, uh, according to all countries, at, at least mm -hmm. uh, uh, within the European Union, um, and to create uh, common regulations, common administration procedures to avoid that each country has different regulations and mm -hmm. have, has different procedures in the terminal operation. As mm -hmm. an example, when it comes to security control, um, this is uh, successfully implemented uh, since a very long time. And, and as, at least in the Euro within the European Union, uh, you have clear and common security uh, proceedings uh, all over uh, all European airports. And and we also believe that that kind of principle to create common regulations in in uh, in terms of COVID uh, prevention, in terms of information, travel information from passengers, we believe that this uh, could uh, bring up uh, a huge uh, growing impact for the whole aviation mm -hmm. branch. Um, as today we have uh, different travel regulations in different uh, countries and we also have different administration procedures. In one country, you provide uh, some paper. People have to fill fill out some some paperwork. In other countries, you can do this on the on uh, internet applications. When you travel to specific countries, you need to register in advance with your personal data on some online applications. So there are different ways on how to to. Um, to get the travel data from the passengers, how to get the information where the passengers are coming from and um, where they had been in the last weeks and how for how long they had been. Um, so we would say there is a lot of information existing already, um, but it needs to to be uh, registered on a digital base. And, mm -hmm. and uh, once you have all that information on a digital base, you can uh, easily... Uh, uh, research all the travel uh, history of somebody and if it turns out that somebody uh, is positive being positive tested um, 
you you can easily uh, identify uh, the the travel history and also some possible contact persons. So we would really recommend that on a, at least an, an European wide level, it would be, it should be possible to create some electronic uh, uh, accreditation, some electronic uh, 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 data management for uh, passengers, and we would need some some common regulations. Um, which would fit for all countries that passengers are treated in the same way uh, um, and, and not in different ways uh, uh, in the different uh, regulations. That's really interesting. I mean, does that mean you've seen, have you felt frustrated somewhat by the lack of EU response on this? I mean, even just agreeing the countries to put on the safe third country list was was so difficult. You know, do you, do you see really the, the being a case well, for more coordination? I- well, we believe that uh, that uh, the COVID nineteen uh, situation will stay for uh, at least a little more time, as we yeah. may as, as 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 people may expect it uh, in the beginning. So uh, we think uh, that you that we need to find proceedings um, and procedures how to live with the COVID nineteen virus and how to. Uh, 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 find uh, procedures for a business uh, reality, for mm-hmm. a travel reality, um, to help the, the economy, to help social life and to help mm-hmm. a travel industry uh, growing, growing up again. And um, from, our po- from our point of view, um, there would at least be some, some potential to, uh, to implement that kind of activities because uh, when you look to other uh, uh, issues like security control or aviation uh, procedures which are valid for all European airports in the same way, um, um, all these things uh, um, had been successfully uh, successfully implemented in the last years and we believe that um, uh, we should uh, uh, focus our energy on that kind of uh, uh, European ride regulation. Mm-hmm. So we see some potential and some chances here. And Vienna Airport uh, is already part of a European organization who is thinking about uh, that kind of technical uh, services. So we see that the European Union is, is of course, uh, thinking about these procedures. We believe that um, this should be at least a way uh, to to how to handle uh, air travel and air transportation in future and yeah this should this should have a kind of priority when it comes to fight against the covid-19 pandemic uh, in travel business that's really helpful and and just one final slightly provocative question what what do you think the future holds beyond the pandemic even when we have a widely accessible vaccine do you think we'll return to pre-covid-19 levels of of travel and and movement well, uh, I believe that uh, aviation and and uh, 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 traveling in a way as we as we uh, knew it before, I think the uh, aviation business will come back stronger as before. We saw it uh, in other crises like after 9/11 or or Ebola or SARS uh, that aviation business had some some decrease um, for some sometimes shorter, sometimes longer period of time, but. Um, the, the main uh, uh, need for people to travel and the main need for the, 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 the basic uh, need for people and demand for people to travel on an intercontinental base is will 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 continue and and 
and aviation is one of the, or is I would say the most secure transportation system in the world, and, and is the only transportation system in the world which can provide that kind of intercontinent traffic in an efficient way and in a in a very high scalable way. Mm-hmm. So. And we believe that aviation business will come back stronger. It's only a question uh, uh, when will that situation happen, happen again. Um, some, uh, we, we all learned in, in that uh, actual situation that, um, that tools like video conferencing and home office and, and, and other, uh, uh, maybe some, some, some other tools uh, could, of course, help for, for doing your operational business. But... Uh, all that kind of uh, communication tools and, and, and collaboration tools are also limited. So if you're a big company and you have to, uh, to uh, create um, some really big infrastructure projects in, in other parts of the world, you need to be able to travel there and you need to be able to meet your people there and to, um, to, to uh, implement that kind of project. So this cannot be done on a video conferencing on a long-term basis. So we believe that, of course, uh, that situation will have some impacts on the aviation business in terms of uh, security, in terms of uh, uh, pandemic prevention and, and, and health prevention, but it won't change the basic demand on traveling and on air transportation. So we believe that aviation business will come back and um, it, may take some, it may take some time until we see the figures of the last years, but uh, it will for sure come back. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Peter. I, for one, can't wait to be able to attend a conference in Vienna and have some some Topfenstrudel. Uh, so hope to see you. Yeah, look, we'll, we'll be looking forward. To <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, bye-bye. I learned so much from my chat with Peter, but most of all, I began to see a vision of what managed mobility might look like in an era of COVID. Of course, he's completely right. We need more international cooperation on this issue. We need common procedures. We need more investment in testing, which has kind of been the poor relation compared to the vaccine race, for instance. I also came away with a lot of unanswered questions. For instance, how do you scale up testing without creating congestion and chaos that sworn enemies of social distancing? Is a single test reliable enough if people could have contracted COVID during the journey and not yet be reading positive? How does testing fit with a broader strategy then of health proofing that includes screening and new technologies and data-informed risk assessments, quarantine, and hopefully at some point vaccine records? And then what happens to people who test positive? We'll be returning to these issues through different perspectives in the coming weeks. And if you'd like to join us, you can subscribe to this podcast, Moving Beyond Pandemic, wherever you find your podcasts, or just access it through our website, migrationpolicy.org forward slash podcasts. I'd like to thank my colleagues, Lisa Dixon, Michelle Mittelstadt, and Sarah Stadick for producing this podcast. The music you heard on today's episode was Juno in the Space Maze by Lou Pop. I'm Megan Benton. I'll see you next time.